doing a study of certain passages in the book of Acts, a portrait of the New Testament church from the book of Acts, which is the blueprint for our church and all churches that call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And on last week, we learned that to be aligned to the blueprint of Christ, we need to assume the position. To pray constantly and praise constantly. So when we talk about assuming the position, they were in constant prayer, and when they weren't praying, they were praising God. Now, in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there, were, then there appeared to them divided flames of fire, or divided tongues, as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Father, in Jesus' name, fall fresh on us as you did on the day of Pentecost. By this same Holy Spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 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 When I uh, think about this passage of Scripture, the easiest thing for me to do would just commit to preaching and Hallelujah, the fire coming down and the wind filling the house and howling. And, and that's, that would be the easy thing to do. But I realized that the most misunderstood member of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And I hear the word of God saying, I am not the author of confusion. Therefore, let everything be done in decency and in order. And so we're going to teach from this passage. And uh, as we turn our attention to the scripture, some years ago, we rented, I worked for a company, a beautiful auditorium. And the purpose for the rental was to memorialize family members who had died in that year. To the shock and amazement of the group that I worked with, there were an overflow of guests. It was so, there were so many people who came to the memorial, it was standing room only. And so my coworkers and I, we kind of went into a panic mode because now we got to get more food. We have to find more seating because it's people are just standing. There's no place. There's no space. And we have to make more copies of the, of the program so everybody can see their family member's name on it. 
And so in our haste and panic, the hour finally came for the program to start. Everybody was properly positioned in their seats. The, the musicians were uh, the pianists and the flutists and uh, those who were uh, responsible for providing the music. Everybody was stationed where they should. And then the hour hand struck the time where the program was, was to start. And the master of ceremony picked up the microphone and he said, hello. And to his shock and amazement, we had a big problem. The mic did not work. Not only was the mic not functioning, the keyboard, <laughs> uh, the instruments that were connected to amplifiers, none of it worked. And so we are in a real state of, uh, of desperation, and we're trying to figure out what's going on, why the mic isn't working, and standing room only, people are watching, et cetera. And then someone yells out from the audience, is the power on? Is the power on? And then we had a, another problem. The, the power may or may not have been on, but even if it wasn't, we didn't know where to turn it on at. So you got all of these people, you know, feeling on the wall, looking on the floor, in the bed, trying to figure out how to turn the power on. And finally, they called them the engineer that took care of the building. He said, I can get to you in 30 minutes. <laughs> so he gradually got up uh, to where we were, and he just flipped one switch, and the power was on. Mike worked. The instruments were able to play. The program went on. Went, for without a hitch, but until the power was on, we were unable to successfully communicate with that large amount of people without the availability. The, 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 the power was available, it just wasn't on. It don't matter if you had the power, if you don't know how to turn it on. Every Sunday around this country and even throughout the world, there are people who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, and they do with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, do not forsake the assembling together as some do, but coming together to exhort one another. And he's lasting even though he said, so people gather with the musicians, with the choir, with the pastor and the Bible. And people come together for the purpose of not having a program, but to experience the presence of Christ. But if statistics are right, it has been said that 85% of what goes on in the average church would go on unaffected if the Holy Spirit was taken. And so it is possible to have all the trappings of church and never really experience the presence of Christ because he's not included as an invited guest. What invites Jesus into the room is that we turn the power of the Holy Spirit on because the Bible says that in your flesh, in my flesh, in our human effort, 
we cannot please God. And so as we look at what the church should look like to a portrait of the church as provided for us in the book of Acts, I want to talk about finding my sermon. (laughs) Uh, How about that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, How about that? I had uh, did the men's class. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, We could teach that again. Yeah, yeah, we could do that again, but we ain't doing that. Power outage. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I might call you later, brother. I think the Lord has put the sermon on my heart, so I still, I have it. This This is helpful, too. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah says, not by might nor by our human strength, but it is by your spirit, Lord. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he said, when we came with our message and our preaching, we did not come to you in the cleverness of, of human wisdom and, and, and flattering words, but we came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Because it is what the Holy Spirit does that makes old things new. And so Paul recognized, and we need to recognize, the need to turn the power on. Now, the first thing I want you to consider with me is that the promise of the power was made by Jesus. So look with me in Acts chapter 1, I dare you, beginning in verse 4. Jesus is on the mountain of Olives. He he who once was dead is now alive, and he is preparing to leave the disciples. They They aren't aware that he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He has taught them for 40 days, the master's class. And then he says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Say tarry. Tarry means to wait. That's all that means. Don't mean G-G-G-G-G-G-G. It just means to wait in Jerusalem. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For truly, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And so the promise of this power from the Holy Spirit is made by Jesus. It's made by Jesus. Now, what's important to note before we unpack the verse, some, the, the verse that I just read to you more, is that Jesus makes a contrast between the baptism, the immersion, going under the water, as did John the Baptist practice, from this baptism that would follow as they waited in Jerusalem. He said, John baptized with water, but the baptism that you're about to receive 
It's going to be unique. It's going to be in the spirit. When you look at Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7 talks about the symbolism, the typology of water baptism. And the picture that John was painting when he baptized those who accepted the one who was coming after him, who was in fact the Messiah, when he dipped those converts into the water, the dipping symbolized death, dying with Christ even before he died because Jesus hadn't died yet. And then the most dreaded fear of most who haven't been baptized is when you get dipped, somebody's going to hold you under that. <laughs> but going under and temporarily being held portrays death. So not only do we get buried with Christ when we trust Jesus, but we, we, not only do we die, we are buried, and then being elevated or brought out of the water means that we're resurrected with Christ. And so... <clears throat> While John the Baptist's baptism was external, it was physical, it was visible. You could see people getting dunked in the water. It symbolized baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. The outward expression says, I died with Christ, I was buried with Christ, and I rose. You can see all of that when a person gets baptized. When the Holy Spirit baptizes you. John says, you can see where the wind blows, but you can't see the wind. You can see the effect of the Holy Spirit, but you cannot see the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not visible. It's not tangible. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, a baptism occurs. We are literally co-crucified. We die with Christ spiritually or internally. We are buried with him. And through faith, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's in the Christ, we are resurrected. And so death, burial, and resurrection occurs internally, which is different from the physical, external example of death, burial, and resur resurrection through John the Baptist. Okay? So that's not spooky, is it? But if you saved, you have been joined to Jesus in death, burial, and resurrection. Now, Christ said... Go to Jerusalem because I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look at uh, a passage with me, and this is definitely not my notes, but praise the Lord anyway. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, I'm going to read that passage. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit who is to come, the power source that Zachariah talked about, the power source that Joel talked about, the power source that Paul depended upon. He says, Jesus speaking, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a helper, and he, that he may abide in you forever, the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He dwells in you, or he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Watch this. Here's some things that you need to understand about this power source that Jesus promised. The first thing he says, that what this promise that I'm telling you about, it, it is something that has not happened. He says, 
I am going to pray that this will happen. And so what the Holy Spirit was going to do in Acts chapter 2, and it ultimately did, it had never existed. So it's future tense. And he says, he says, he will give, I'm praying to the Father that he will give you another comforter. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He will what? Give you. How much do you have to pay for a gift? How long do you have to say, gee, 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 gee? How long do you have to sit on the morning's bench? He will give you. And so the, the Holy Spirit is a free gift that you receive at the moment that you are saved. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 10, it says, not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved you by the washing and the renewing and the regeneration. The word regeneration means to be made alive, alive spiritually. And so at the moment you believe, you freely receive, not by works of righteousness, but by the mercies of God. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. And so the Holy Spirit is a free gift. Jesus said, go and stay in Jerusalem because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit that the Father is going to give you. Not only is he going to give it to you, but he's going to be your helper. He's going to be your comforter. The word in the Greek is the parakletos. It means that he is going to be your advocate, your lawyer in the courtroom. He's going to be the one who comes alongside you. He's going to be your encourager. He's going to be the one who strengthens you. He's going to be the one who convicts you. He's going to be the one who convinces you. He's going to be the one who corrects you in righteousness. I am going to send you a helper. That's why you need to turn the power on. He's coming. It's a gift. He's a gift. Not an it. He's a gift. And he will help you, will comfort you. He may abide with you. He's going to reside in you forever. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. How long is forever? Forever. <laughs> and forever is a long time. <laughs> it's forever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get finished saying and ever and ever, you keep on saying because forever never ends. You don't have to pray David's prayer in Psalm 51. He said, Lord, take not your spirit from me. That was a legitimate prayer in the Old Testament. It was legitimate that when Samson jumped up as in times past to do battle with the Philistines, he did not know that the spirit of God had departed from him. Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit selectively filled, anointed, empowered for service so he could come and go. But the scripture says, in this new experience that's about to happen, he will be with you forever, forever. I like the way Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, until we finally are delivered, not by Amazon, but by the angels of the Lord, into the presence of the Lord. Our salvation is sure. He said, this is coming from the spirit, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth indicates that this one who is coming is not a something, but a someone. He is the spirit. He is the source of all truth. He is co-equal with God, co-existent with God, co-eternal. The Holy Spirit is the third member 
of the triune God here. He is the spirit and truth. Oh, we need to know these things about the Holy Spirit. He said the world cannot receive him because they don't know. In order to have the Holy Spirit, you need to be saved. But if you are saved, he said, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You're not saved. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. And so he said, the world doesn't know and can't know. That's why the Bible says the natural man, the unsaved man, cannot comprehend the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, moronic unto the unsaved person. The reason why is because they are spiritually discerned. They do not have the Spirit of God living in them. So they can't understand Scripture. They can't understand why you're talking about you're going to pray. Why you turn that lucrative job down. Well, I want to be somewhere where I can get fed. I know I could take that job, but I, there's no church near here. I know I could take that job, but if I take that job, I need to be accountable. I'm going to go crazy if I don't have somebody. So, so you don't, and they don't understand because the natural man. Jesus said, that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh, you must be born a second time. And when we're born a second time, you have the spirit of God. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and God's temple he lives in by the Holy Spirit. So God, are you still with me? The scripture says he'll dwell with you. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is with us? He came to church with you. He's going to go home with you. He's with you always. But more than that, he says, not only will he be with you. Ah, this is the difference between the Old and the New Testament. He said he will not only be with you, but he will be in you. He will indwell you. He will inhabit you. He will reside in you. This is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, now he lives in us. He has taken up residency. I am the temple of God. The Spirit of God lives in me. So we need to remember this. It's free. It's free. It's free. The promise was made by Jesus. This was our 30th wedding anniversary. The way, we, the way my wife remembers is Brandon's 29. And we're already into our 31st. We're moving to 31st. All right? So anyway, we're going to take a little short wedding getaway. And I said, well... I don't feel like doing a bunch of jobs. Let's go to AC. Mm -hmm. So I call and make the reservation. I said, I want a beachside view. This, I said, this is my 30th wedding anniversary. Beachside view. They said, we got you, sir. Said, it's going to cost you a little bit extra. No problem. I'll pay extra. This is my 30th anniversary. I'm bringing my baby. We're going to celebrate this. We're going to come on down. It's close, and we're looking forward to it. And we're going to get on down there. We get down there. I'm down there. I'm checking in, and I'm seeing folk come in the building smoking. And <laughs> like the sun didn't come travel to Atlantic City. just stayed south or whatever. So we get down there, and so I'm checking in, and my wife calls me. She's already going up to the room. I said, what's up, babe? She said, our uh, Oceanside View is a parking lot and pipes on the back of a building. And so now we got a problem. But rather than going to all of how long it took them to, to finally change our room, and we did get an angled Oceanside View, aren't you glad that God doesn't make promises that he breaks? 
This woman promised me, no issue, sir. Just pay the extra money. We've got this thing set up, and you just get here. We'll meet you at the door and all. I get down there, uh, uh, parking lot in, in a back of a building in pipes. God keeps his promises. Jesus said, wait, because the promise is coming. The promise is coming. And guess what? Every promise that God makes is yes. Yes, and amen. Now, our problem is we're claiming promises that God ain't never made, and he ain't, he ain't obligated to, to keep a check from bouncing that he never signed. Now, the purpose of this promise is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We know this verse. But you shall receive what? Power after what? The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? My witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the purpose for the power, see, we get this all wrong. I get to speak in tongues. I get to prophesy. I get to show off my gift. No, no, sir. That when you receive this power, two things. You will have the ability to obey the word of God. You'll understand the word of God to obey it. And you will be a witness for the Lord. The power of the Holy Spirit allows you to even own this verse. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I can claim that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can claim that I'm already the head and not the tail. I can claim that I'm above and not beneath because I have the power of the Holy Spirit who enables me to understand the word to obey it. But the biggest thing, aside, when you are obeying the word, he says, you will be my witnesses. Well, I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't go to uh, uh, no special seminars. You know what a witness is? Somebody who tells what they personally experience. If you know enough to get saved, you know enough to live, to lead another person to Jesus. Now, notice he says, you shall receive power. Future tense. That word power is dunamis. When I thought about it, it's like a cluster bomb. This thing that, you know, you, 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 there's, there's these bombs that you can, you can ignite, detonate them, and boom, that's it. But a cluster bomb, it explodes multiple times. You shall receive power. Now, why do we need power to witness to people about Jesus. One of the reasons is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, but if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost, who the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they receive the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the icon of God. And so the first reason we need this power is because the world is blind, not nearsighted. Spiritually blind, unable to comprehend what God has put them on this planet to do. So the first reason why we need power is because the world is blind. Not only is the world blind, but you too, like the world, the Bible says that we were born dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say, wait, wait, when I was born, they slapped me on my backside. My mom said, I said, yeah, I cried, I cried. No, no, no. You were physically alive, but you were spiritually a flat line. 
Death in the Bible simply means separation. You are separated from God. Dead in your trust. So we need the gospel. We need to tell people about Christ because they're blind and they're dead. That's why he gave us the power. He said, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the, you ain't, the gospel of Jesus Christ because in the gospel is this cluster bomb. It's this deutimus. That when you share the gospel, this cluster bomb, here's how Paul put it. He said, you may be sowing a seed. Some people plant, others water. But when this cluster bomb gets finished, God, God, God gives the increase. Folk that were blind are now able to see. Folk who were dead are now made alive. And so the purpose is that we can obey the word of God and that we can witness to the lost. But what's the proof? that the promise was fulfilled. I'm glad you asked. Let's come on. Let's go back to Acts chapter 4. Here we go. Here's the proof. Now, uh, we'll turn to chapter 2. <laughs> then the day of Pentecost had fully come. When did it fully come? And we're not going to explain what Pentecost means. All right the there. They were all on one accord. Here's what messes us up. We got so many agendas in the church. Everybody got their own little this and little that. You ain't trying to follow no singular vision. You're going to do it your way. You're going to have your day. And the Bible says they were on one accord. They were on one accord when they assumed the position. When they were praying and praising, they were on one accord. And I guess what? If they weren't on one accord, this would not have happened. I say to people, if you don't feel led to be under a single vision of a church, you're at the wrong church. I'm not mad at you. You just need to be under singular vision or you are causing division. You don't get to take your marbles home because you didn't get your way. Paul, the, 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 the writer says they were all on one accord and they were in one place there, 120 of them. The 11 uh, apostles, they're all gathered, and they're praising, and they're praising, they're praising, and they're, uh, they're praising the Lord, and they're praying, and they've been in that room on and off for 10 days, either in the temple, they're praising, or in the upper room, and while they're in the singular room on one accord, the Bible says they heard a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Now, watch this. Here's the teaching part of it, because I could go, yeah, <laughs> Something. Do you feel something right now? No, 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 I ain't going to do that. Here's what happens. The proof that the promise was fulfilled is that there was external evidence. They heard a sound that was so loud and forceful that it sounded like the, the rushing of mighty, a mighty wind. And it filled the whole place, not just the upper room. And so the external evidence of the promise being fulfilled is what they heard. And then the second external evidence was that they, that, this is the Lord, is just, and let me make this crystal clear that this promise is coming about. Don't expect this to happen for you and me. He said that, the, that cloven tongues, 
that flames actually appeared that they could see and, the, and they separated. I, I, I imagine a big flame comes into the room where they are and it begins, the flame begins to separate because it's the Holy Spirit, the symbol of the Holy Spirit is wind. The symbol of the Holy Spirit is fire. And, and, and fire represents purity. The wind represents power. So you got the purity and the power of the Holy Spirit and the, 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 these flames separate and they fall on each of those 120 gathered on one accord, they fall on their shoulders. And they can see this. Why did the Lord let them see this? Because God was proving to them that this is a new move, that the promise is happening. But wow, it was exciting to see the fire and to, to hear the wind and, 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 and feel it probably. It gets better. The scripture says, there appeared to them a dividing hand. It says, and in verse 4, and all of them <laughs> were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It's one thing to have external evidence of the Holy Spirit, but now this is internal. The Holy Spirit filled all of them. And in chapter 1, it says, not only would he fill them, but he would baptize them. You know what we talked about? That they would experience this identification with Christ, dying with him. He was buried with them and, and, and rose again. All of that happened on Pentecost. That's the day the church began. And they started speaking in tongues. The word here, glossolalia, is that they began to speak in existing languages that they never yeah. learned themselves. Now, when you go to this church up the street, and they tell you, come upstairs so we can teach you how to speak in tongues. While they're leading you, you just take, put, you know how you, the ladies put their little finger up, and they kind of tipping out of the church. You start tipping out of the church. If somebody can teach you how to speak tongues, then it didn't come from God. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now watch this. We're not going to read all these scriptures. The Bible says, gathered in Jerusalem, that time, at that time on the day of Pente on Pentecost, with Jews from all over the world, they were celebrating the, the, the feast of the first fruit. The, the Pentecost was the day that the church started. Pentecost was the day that the law was given to the Jews at Mount Sinai. Pentecost means, the word penta means 50. It's 10 days after the Passover. And, and that, all of that's involved here. But it's the first fruit. The church was Jesus was resurrected on the first day. The Holy Spirit was given on the first day of the week, Sunday. So that's why we worship on Sunday and not the Sabbath. But if you choose to worship on another day, the Bible says, guess what? Every day belongs to the Lord. Just make sure you have a day where you come aside and rest and honor the Lord. So, so stay with me. Now, as we are speaking in tongues, and people are gathered, Jews are gathered from all around the inhabited earth, who speak in diverse languages, they are amazed because they hear from these unlearned Galileans who never went to school to learn how to speak in different foreign languages, that they're hearing the amazing things that God did in their own languages. So the reason for the gift of tongues was so that the gospel could be preached to people who would not have otherwise understood it in their own language. Oh, you don't believe me. I might as well read a little bit of it. 
He said, and, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I told you, didn't I? And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they unlearned? Aren't they ignorant? They ain't going to college. And so they're hearing what we call, they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues of an existing language, not some heavenly language, and everybody there could understand in their own tongue the amazing thing <laughs> that God had done. Now watch this. Some said, these jokers are drunk. Guess what? We ought to get drunk in the Holy Spirit. Paul said, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled. Be drunk. with Because when you're drunk with the Holy Spirit, I'm jumping jump ahead. So anyway, the proof of the presence of the Holy Spirit was that there was external proof. They, they heard and they saw. And then the internal proof is that they begin to speak in tongues of languages that they had never learned, and now folks are asking questions. Now, here's the good part. The power is released. The power is turned on. You know, what do you mean the power is turned on? Well, they were speaking in tongues. They had the, the Holy Spirit came. But if you don't activate the Holy Spirit, because what happens is they're speaking in tongues, but a miracle without a message is confusion. That's why they say, these people drunk. Folk can come in here and seeing us rolling on the floor and shouting and screaming and speaking in tongues. If, it, if, it, if they can't understand it, if all it does is confuse them, they won't see the Lord. So Peter raised his hand. This is when you turn the power on. This is when you turn the power on. Now, here, here's how you know when you turn the power on. Peter said, this is God. When you turn the power of the Holy Spirit on in your life and people ask a reason of the hope that's within you, why are you so different? How are you staying sane? Why didn't you cuss them out? Why aren't you swinging? Paul, Paul, Peter said, this is God. This, this is what the word said would happen, that the Holy Spirit would come upon not just men, but women, and they would prophesy. And not only... When the power is turned on, you will be, you become bold. The fear that you had that paralyzed you. You remember, this is Peter who denied Jesus three times. I don't know the man. And then he got so indignant, he started cursing. No, no, I don't know the man. And then he quits the ministry. He's so ashamed that he let Jesus down. But here he is now standing before the congregation. Let me tell you what this is all about. When the spirit, the power of the spirit is turned on, you will not be controlled by fear. I didn't say you wouldn't be afraid. You simply won't be controlled by fear. When the power is turned on. I want you to know when the power of the spirit is turned on, the gifts of the Lord will be released in your life. They speak it in tongues. This is not something they learn. This is nothing that they earn. But when the spirit of God is turned on, all of a sudden you're out your comfort zone. All of a sudden you're singing. You're playing the drums. You don't, you don't even know how to play the drum. All of a sudden you got some rhythm. You ain't never had no rhythm. God will work through you 
when you turn the power on, now your gifts are being used. Not only will your gift be used, but you'll be telling people about Jesus. He said, let me tell you what this is all about. The same Jesus. He is a, he is a, he is a stone that the builders rejected. The one that was rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. He's Jesus. The Bible says they became so convicted in their hearts. See, here we, some of us will share the gospel, but we won't do the next thing. They said, what must we do to be, we, we said, wait until you come to church, the pastor, and the deacon, and the elder, no, no, no. Peter said, let's do, we can stop right now. He led them to the Lord. When the power of the Holy Spirit is released, you will lead other people to Christ. You'll be witnessing to them in your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. When the power is turned on, stand with me. People start getting saved. The Bible said on that day, 3,000 were added to the church. The promise came from Jesus. The purpose was for obedience and witnessing. The proof is that was external and, and internal. But when the power was turned on, I want you to know you can love your wife as Christ loved the church. When the power is turned on. Wives, you can come under the submission of your own husband when the power of the Holy Spirit is turned on. You can speak the truth in love when the power is turned on. No corrupt communication will come out of your mouth when the power is turned on. You will find yourself able to forgive your enemies and pray for them who curse you and bless those who despitefully use you when the power is turned on. You can lay hands on people that are sick and they will get healed in the name. We're going to talk about that next week. In the name of Jesus because your miracle is just one yes away. When the power of the Holy Spirit is turned on, is he turned on in your life? Have you turned the power on? Is the Spirit of God at work in and through you? The Spirit of God when he's active in your life, he can do anything that God can do. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the heart of men. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Have you turned the power on? I want you to know when you turn the power on, you can give him praise. When you turn the power on, you can celebrate his goodness. When the power is turned on, he will give you peace. Anybody got any peace? Anybody got any joy? Anybody know what it means to love like he loves? The power. Say power. Come on, power. Come on, power. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way. David said, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, I don't know about you, but I'm going to dance. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, I'm going to shout. I'm going to raise my hands. Turn. 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 Turn the power on. Turn the power on. Turn. Turn the power on. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We are so blessed by the best. You're the best. Father, if we had paid our money for a concert 
and one of our favorite entertainers just walked across the stage, we'd be out of our seats, we'd be raising our hands, our hearts would be palpitating, and yet the Jesus who we say we love, oh, the captain of our salvation, the lover of my soul, oh, the one who keeps me safe, safe in his arms. Oh, God, may we learn how to celebrate his presence. Oh, may we learn how to turn the power, the power, turn the power on. Oh, folks will get saved. Those who are strung out will be delivered. Captives will be set free. Blinded eyes shall be opened. Marriages that are on the very edge of breaking up will be restored. Oh, God, renew in us a right spirit. Oh, God, give us again the joy, the joy. The joy of my, I don't know about your, but my salvation. Restore the joy, oh God. Save, save, save. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah, church. Save. We're safe. I'm so safe. 